We're so happy that you're here with us today. Now it's time to get started, so please stand and get ready to worship with us. And thank you for joining us here at New Vine. Good morning. I'm not Aaron, you know that, right? Aaron's wife has COVID, and he didn't want to come spread the love around. So it's me. So I used to do this when I was a kid. This is the last time we'll be together this year, so it's really nice seeing you all. I told Liz when we got in the car, I said, this will be our last chance of time to go to church this year. She thinks it's crazy. So let's say a prayer, and then we'll start. So, Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the year that we existed in and lived in. Uh, Lord, I just thank you that you've been good all the way through, no matter what's going down. You've been right there with us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd be with those who are struggling. I pray for uh, Brandy King today over the loss of her brother and her dad. You know, within a couple of days, I pray you just give them grace and peace uh, out there in Wisconsin. And, Lord, we ask you to be in our midst, Lord, that we <clears throat> know that you'll show up. And so we invite you to be in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen.
That's just like David did in Psalm 62. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me.
great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou Turn around, say hello to someone. Have a seat. You guys sounded good. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. January 15th and 22nd, we will have a prayer ministry training. If you would like to serve on our prayer team, then this training is for you. Please sign up on the form in the seat back and put it in the offering or give it to Chuck. Our next baptism is January 28th at 11 a.m. 
please sign up on the form in the seat back pocket and put it in the offering if you want to get baptized. New Vine Youth is back. January 7th after church in the cafe. Youth meets until about 1.45. We will have food as usual, and we are looking forward to meeting again and seeing them on January 7th. watching the announcements if you need any more information go to our website or pick up a bulletin thanks for being here and enjoy the service good morning again guys good you sound really good you almost clapped your hands a couple of you so anyway you did sound good right that first song was right from the book of psalms psalm 62 um, yeah, I mentioned this in, in my prayer, Brandy King, who usually sits right over there, her, her brother passed away wow, on one day and then she flew and got to Wisconsin. I think that's where she lives and her dad passed away. She got to be there with her dad. So it was like, and it was just a few years ago she lost her husband. And uh, so anyway, we just need to keep her in prayer. Okay. So I already prayed for us, but just, just remember that, you know, that's, you know, 20, whatever, whatever the year was, this, we just went through, what year was it? 2023, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's gone. So people, a bunch of people in my family died in 2023, so I don't have many left. So anyway, um, but just keep people in prayer. Uh, it's a hard time of year when you're going through stuff, okay? Um, uh, we're doing a, doing a prayer tra- team training. It's, it's for people who want to learn how to pray for people. Like We'll do that during the service at different times, so that's going to be in January. And other than that, I think you saw all the stuff, right? And So we'll do this again next year. Let's say a prayer, and we'll take up the offering. So, Lord, thank you that we can just give to you. <clears throat> thank you that you gave to us. <coughs> Excuse me. In Jesus' name, amen. I failed to mention one thing. If you're going to read the Bible through this year, we have some new things out there. It's a sort of a shorter version. <clears throat> you can grab one of these. And next Sunday, we're starting a series on getting in shape, so you might want to start tomorrow watching what you eat and reading your Bible. So. We'll talk about that next week. Good morning. You guys doing all right? If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And we're done with our Advent series, but we're going to kind of still continue. Good? So today we're going to look at the wise men or the magi or the three kings, whatever you want to call them. And um, you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah, we had a crazy Christmas. We didn't put up our tree this year. We like, and I, I have a theory on why, because my kids have lost their mind. My mom's laughing already. We, uh, so we have this tradition in our family where on Thanksgiving, like the night, we always watch uh, the Polar Express movie. Right? You guys know this? You guys seen this movie? And so it's like our little family tradition. Since the kids were little, we would always watch the Polar Express after Thanksgiving that evening and kind of get us in the Christmas spirit, right? 
Well, my teenage kids didn't want to watch it this year. They wanted to go to their boyfriends and girlfriends' houses instead. So we let them leave and go do that instead, and we never ended up watching the Polar Express, and we never got into the Christmas spirit, and we never put our tree up. And I blame them. I blame them, right? So I told Amber, I said, I'm putting my foot down next year. We're watching it, whether they want to or not, right? But, yes, it's the tradition. So we're going to be, in, uh, we're going to be looking at the, the, the wise men today and talking about how, how our spiritual lives are like a journey. And we're going to look at their journey and connect it to our journey. Good? I always like to start off with taking a few moments simply just to sit still and be silent before God. And so let's just take a few moments just to open our hearts and our minds, our souls to God's presence and um, just kind of settle ourselves down. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and you just rest with us here in this moment. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can come and gather and just be together and worship you. And so we ask that you, Holy Spirit, just be with us. We ask that you just open our hearts and minds to you as we explore this this story and open up your word. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all of the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to, to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. To continue the story, Herod's not happy about this because he wants to be the king. And the threat of a child being born who was part of the line of David, and this idea that these people from a different country have come and they've realized that there's this child that has been born, he's very upset with this and so when he says to them, hey, you guys go and find him and then we'll come and worship him, he, he's not sincere about this. We end up finding out that he sends the order to, to kill any child that had born within a certain time period and 
Joseph in a dream is warned about this, and him and Mary and, the, and Jesus, uh, they flee to Egypt and hide there until Herod dies. But what I want to look at this morning is this journey that these wise men go on. This journey of these these magi. Now, most likely they were probably spiritual teachers from the east, probably from Babylon. And so they were very tuned into creation. In the ancient world, they didn't have science like we have it. And so they didn't... They didn't make the distinction that stars were nothing more than gas and fire and whatever stars are. I mean, that's my limitations of understanding what a star is. I don't know either. But for them, the stars were significant, and the stars pointed to things. And in in the ancient mind, the stars were, in some sense, divine beings as well, pointing to and aligning with things that happen here on earth. Does this make sense? Sort of. Right? And so they are paying attention to the world. They, they notice these alignments in the skies and however they, they come to this realization that this star is significant because this star represents this birth of this Jewish king. And so they make arrangements to go on a journey. And what I want to talk about today is this, is that our spiritual lives are a journey. Yeah? Anybody? Your life's been a journey? Sort of. I grew up the son of a preacher. And uh, and now I'm a preacher. I'm a third generation pastor. And that's weird. I had no intentions of doing this as a profession whatsoever. I grew up and I loved my parents and I had a great family. And... Uh, but at the same time, there was no way, no way I was going to get into the family business. And so when I was a young person, I, as a teenager, especially when we moved to this building here, we had our worship band and I play the guitar. And so I play, I would play the guitar in the worship band and uh, I would party on Saturday nights with my friends right down here in the corner where my buddy's sister lived. And party all night and then get up, I get five, get myself sort of sober and come here and play in the band. And did that for years. And uh, always wrestled with this feeling like God was pulling my heart. Ever have that, like wrestling. But I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. So I joined the Marine Corps, like you do. When you feel like God's calling you to do something, you just, you run, right? So I joined the Marines, and I had a love-hate relationship with the Marine Corps. I loved it, and I hated it, because I loved the guys, but I hated the government telling me what to do. And I'm sure you guys can relate with that as well. And after I got out of the Marine Corps, my son was born, and I had ambitions of becoming a high school teacher because I coached football and I enjoyed coaching. And I thought, well, they get the summers off. How hard could it possibly be? And had all intentions in the world of, of becoming a teacher and, and being a coach. And our lives fell apart. My, my marriage fell apart to some degree and uh, got to a place where we sort of hit rock bottom. And in that time, I found myself returning to the circle of my parents because they were the, they were steady. They were, um, they were the rock of my life. And so I thought, okay, I'm gonna, if my life is a mess, then that's because of, obviously I've decided to do things my own way and apparently I don't know what I'm doing. So I need maybe some guidance. And so I found myself back taking Jesus seriously. And I remember, in that process, our marriage was healed, and I knew God was real, and I had quit a, like a pretty decent job in Cincinnati working in a factory and was mowing grass for a friend of mine and was trying to find a real job, and the apartment that we had lived in at the time, we had let that, let that go, and we, I, I was living with my mom and dad, and Amber was living with her parents, and we reconciled our marriage. And I moved back in with my in-laws with Amber. 
And so we have this little baby, and Amber has a job, and obviously Dave and Wanda had jobs, and I didn't have a job. And I don't know about you, but that's like the worst. When you're 25 years old and you don't have a job, and you find yourself taking your son and putting him in the car and just driving around the neighborhood at 4 o'clock because you don't want to be there by yourself. When your parent, when your in-laws get home, you don't want to be that bum. And so it was terribly embarrassing. My mom's laughing at me right now. And I remember praying one night and mainly saying, God, listen, I know that you're real. I know that you've healed our marriage. I know you've you've done all these things, like, why can't I get a job? Because I was interviewing, not getting positions, things that I was, like, dumb stuff, like trying to be a maintenance man. I couldn't get a job even doing that. And I remember God saying, and I don't know if it was audible or in my heart or out of the television that was hanging in the room, but I've heard this voice say, it's because you're not doing what I want you to do. And I was like, oh, no. Not that. So I called mom and dad about it, and here we are, right? And it's been a journey ever since. And that's sort of, in a nutshell, my spiritual journey. And I'm sure if we went around the room, we could all share our own spiritual journeys. But there are kind of four things that happen in the spiritual journey of these of these magi that are universal to all of our lives. And so I just want to explore those things. Good? You guys bored yet? So the first thing. This is after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, who knows how many miles they had to go. But if you've ever been on a journey, you know one thing is true, is that if you're going to be on a journey, a journey always takes sacrifice, right? And so their journey was a journey of sacrifice. Every year we take a trip to Topsail Island, and the weeks leading up are the weeks of preparation to go on this journey. And so you got to change the oil in your car, you got to make sure you have proper tire pressure. You have to make sure there's coolant. Maybe putting some windshield wiper fluid in the thing might be a good idea because you never know what you're going to run into. You got to pack. There's a number of sacrifices that have to be made before you go on a journey. And that's true in life as well. If we want to do the things that God's called us to do, then sometimes it requires sacrifice. We do a lot of funerals, and um, the worst thing about doing a funeral is when the people in the family don't like the person who has died. I remember doing a funeral up in Miamisburg, and we had got a call to do this funeral, and I didn't really know the people, but they needed a pastor to do this funeral, and so I had no preparation. I knew nothing about the family. Every time I would try to make a phone call to to gather some information, some nice things to say about this person who had passed, no one would return my calls. And so I went in completely blind to this funeral, which is the worst. And um, there was the daughter and the, and the brother of the man who had passed, and they were kind of in the corner. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to talk to him real fast and maybe jot down some nice things to say about this guy. And the daughter, like, immediately just, I asked her, you know, tell me some nice things about your dad. And she just blew me off and walked off. And so then I went to the brother, and I was like, hey, man, can you, you know, tell me about your your brother and some, maybe a couple things to say. And he looks me in the eyes and says, I didn't like him. And that was it. That's all I had to work with. And And I don't know what the choices this guy had made in his life to get to this point, but it was an absolute shame and heartbreaking that this man had lived such a life that that no one wanted to have anything to do with him. Yeah? Does that make sense? And, and then on the other hand, there are sometimes where people preach their own funerals. 
right? Dad says that. They, they've lived such a life that everybody in the room has something beautiful to say about them. And I, very early on as a pastor doing funerals for people, made this decision that when it comes time for people to talk about me at the end, I want them to have nice things to say. Does that make sense? But that, guess that, that requires something. That requires us making particular choices every day to be the types of people that God has called us to be so that when we get to the end of our journey, there are these clues that point to the good things. And so, for me, every day are there, these, there are these little sacrifices that we have to make so that we can continue to follow the way that Jesus is leading us. And so it's, it's little things about serving people, right? Learning how to serve the people in your life. Learning how to be open and listen to other people. To show them love and empathy and care and grace. And, and doing the types of things that will last on even when we're gone. Does that make sense? And so these magi, they make this sacrifice. They gather their things and they make, they make the journey to see this child. And their, their physical journey in many ways mirrors our spiritual journey where it requires of us to make these these sacrifices. And, and what I've noticed, at least in my own life, is that as, as you're, you're more faithful in the steps at following Jesus, that God gives you more opportunities to make an impact on other people. Even when you're not even trying to, right? Yesterday I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's going through a really hard time and it was, like I didn't have, it was in a situation where I didn't have my pastor hat on, right? And yet I've noticed that even when I don't have my pastor hat on, I have my pastor hat on. People will still come up and start just spilling their guts to me, whether I want them to or not. And there are these moments where you just have to, you're, you're the presence. And you probably have these experiences. Something about your life, when you spend time with God, it rubs off on you, and other people notice it, and they're drawn to you, and often will share their troubles, their heartaches, their confusion. Why? Why would... Why would that happen? Dad often quotes one of the Psalms, I think it's the Psalms, where God orders our steps in the sense that God puts us in the right place at the right time for people. And we have to be open to that. And so if we want to be the types of people that God uses, then it requires sacrifice where we open ourselves up to these little things that we do every day so that it makes an impact in the bigger scheme of things. Good? You guys bored? No? And I think that's, the, you know, the next series that we're going to be working through is going to be a lot about these types of sacrifices. And so the spiritual journey is a journey of sacrifice, which leads to the next thought. It then says that when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you out, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star was, had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And so not only is, is it a journey 
of sacrifice. But for these magi was also a journey of faith. By faith, they, they followed the star. By faith, they went to Jerusalem. By faith, they inquired of the, of the king where this child was to be born. Now, here's what's terribly interesting to me. You have the king. You have the priests. You have the teachers of the law who have the scriptures who know where, they don't know when, but they know where this child is to be born. They have this moment where an outside source comes to confirm that, hey, this is happening right now. They know where it's supposed to be. They tell these guys where to go, but they don't go, which is insane, right? Well, you guys think it's insane? Like if some crazy person came in here and said, hey, listen, Jesus is back. I, I saw him. Let's go see. I don't know. I'd probably go and just check it out. Maybe not you, but I would probably go check it out. But they're like, eh, we're not going to go. Where you have these Gentile magi, these guys who don't even, they're not even part of the family. They're, they don't believe in the God of Yahweh. And yet here they are. And faith compels them to continue. Now, this says something to me. It says this. Knowledge doesn't always lead to faith. You can know everything that you want to know about the Bible. You can know everything that you want to know about the Christian religion and how it works and all those types of things and yet still stand on the sideline and not get into the game. Yeah? And I imagine that maybe some of us, we know people that are like that. They know everything that they need to know about the word and and the faith and, and trying to, or how it works. And yet when it comes to following Jesus every day, they don't. Yeah? But I would also say this, but faith always leads to wisdom. And there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And I don't know about you, but for me, I'd rather be a person that is wise than a person that's just smart. Because there's lots of super smart people out there who aren't very wise. And there are lots of quote-unquote, dumb people, that are still very wise. Does this make sense? And so these magi, they are compelled by faith. They follow the star by faith. They go to the king by faith. They make their way to Bethlehem by faith. And so not only is our spiritual journey a spiritual journey of sacrifice, But it's also a spiritual journey of faith. And that's the point for us. Sometimes we're not going to know. Sometimes things don't make sense. And yet we just have to say yes. John Wimber used to say jump. I think he was a John Wimber used to say jump and the net will appear. Something like that. Okay, Steve said that. He said oftentimes faith is this, you jump and then the net will appear. And I, when I think about faith, I think of the old um, Indiana Jones movie. You guys remember the Indiana Jones and the, the Last Crusade? And he has to walk across this giant, I don't even know what you would call it, cliff, if you will. And it's in, he's in alignment with this lion's head and from his vantage point, he can't see that there's actually a bridge. But by faith, he takes a step. And as he takes a step, all of a sudden he realizes, oh, there's a bridge there the whole time. He just couldn't see it. And oftentimes that's our spiritual lives. Oftentimes in front of us, it doesn't make any sense. Oftentimes in front of us, it's just like, I don't, 
I don't know. And we have to take that step. We have to just trust. And as we trust, all of a sudden we realize, oh, there was a bridge there the whole time. We just weren't aware of it. Yeah? And so it's a, uh, our spiritual journeys are a journey of sacrifice. They're a journey of faith. And then the story continues. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child that was with their mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so, not only is our, li- our spiritual lives a journey of sacrifice and faith, it's also a journey of worship. Now, what's interesting about these three gifts that are given is that in many ways these three gifts represent something about Jesus. The, the gold obviously represents his royalty, that he is the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings. And so as these magi, they offer these gifts, they are, they are recognizing Jesus as the king. They also give frankincense, and frankincense was an incense that was used in religious uh, rituals. The Jews used this as they would worship in the temple. And so this incense represents its his divinity, that this Jesus, this child that is born, is not only a king, but he's also God. And then the myrrh was a substance that was used to embalm. It was something that you would use to cover a body before its burial. And so this myrrh represents his, his mortality in the sense that he's human. He's like us. And so these three gifts that are given, they point to that this child is the king, this child is divine, and this child is human. Pointing to the the essence of who this Jesus is, that he's fully God and fully man and king of all. Which is pretty cool, by the way, I think. And so, we make the journey of sacrifice. We make the journey of faith. But then it's also understanding that it's a journey of worship. And that our entire life, to some extent, should be a journey of worship. I have a friend of mine who recently got a job in Carlisle at the uh, farm on Central. Is that what it's called? He's going to be, um, I think, the head chef there. And so he, he just got this job working as a chef, and he's working on the, the recipes that they're going to sell in the store, and he's, he's cooking bread right now. And so he made me some sourdough bread, and he brought it to me to try out. And so I ate the bread and sent him a text message, hey, dude, this is amazing. It's going to be awesome when you get it into the stores. And then he sent me back this huge long message about, because he's kind of like a new age spiritual guy, this guy is, which I, I love. He's terribly interesting. He goes, isn't it funny how much they talk about bread in the Bible? And I was like, yeah. He goes, he goes, man, when I'm making bread, he goes, I think it's, he goes, it's, it's more than a metaphor. And I said, well, that's interesting that you said that. My mom, is that mom? Hi, mom. I said, it's interesting that you said that. I said, because in the ancient tradition, it's a sacrament. That bread is part of the sacraments. And that the idea of the sacrament is that it's this window or a door that we have this whole physical realm that we're all a part of, that we can feel, touch, taste, see. But if we pay attention a little closer, there's a door that is opened, and all of a sudden we realize, oh, wait a minute, this whole thing is spiritual. If you want to live a life of worship, here's the key. 
It's opening up your eyes to realizing that everything is spiritual. Your marriage is spiritual. Your children and raising them, as hard as that can be, is spiritual. Your work is spiritual. Your neighborhood and where you live and the people that you hang out with. Maybe you like to go to the bar and hang out. Guess what? That's spiritual. Everything is a sacrament. Everything is holy. Everything can be worship if we open our eyes to that. Does that make sense? And so Little League practice isn't Little League practice. It's a chance to be with these kids and love them and honor them and perhaps be a parent to them that they don't get at home. Yeah? Being with your friends is maybe being, it's more than just hanging out with your friends, but it's being that, that anchor that holds them together. I got a text message from a friend of mine this week and, and, and most of the time it's just, we just goof off and pick at one another because we're dudes and that's what dudes do, I guess. But his, his mother's twin sister had died. And so I went over to see her and we got to sit there and talk. And she was just, I mean, she's 73, I think. I mean, how, how would you even experience that? Your twin sister, mirror image of her. Her best friend her entire life. And in Booth, gone. And so I went over to see her and we just talked. And we talked about Hebrews and about a cloud of witnesses. And that, hey, you're, she called her sister a Twinkie because her dad used to call them the Twinkies. And she said, my little Twinkie's gone. I said, your little Twinkie is right here cheering you on. Proud of you. Probably closer to you now than she's ever been in her entire existence and most of the time we're just goofing off on a text message me and my buddies but in this moment because everything is spiritual because everything is holy because everything is a sacrament because this whole thing is worship i got to be the anchor for a little bit yeah and you get to be the anchor for your friends you get to be the priest one of the reasons why i tell you guys to look at the person next to you and say the the body of Christ broken for you. One of the reasons why I say, look at the person next to you and say the blood of Christ shed for you is because in the more liturgical traditions, only the priest can say that. But as in our tradition, it's an understanding that everyone here is a priest. We're all ministers in this room. And we're all called to go to God on behalf of our friends and go to our friends on behalf of God. And so the whole thing is worship. Does that make sense? You guys all right? We're almost done. And so it's a journey of sacrifice. It's a journey of faith. It's a journey of worship. And we'll continue. The story finishes up by saying this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped, and they presented, and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so they've made the journey, they've made the sacrifice, they've followed the star by faith, they've worshipped the child. And I'm sure that they're probably thinking, all right, it's time to go back and tell the king where the child is. And then there's this moment where one of them, or maybe all of them, they have this dream, this realization that, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't go back to the king. And so they decide not to, and they go back to their homeland by another route. Not only is our journey a journey of sacrifice, a journey of faith, a journey of worship, but we are also called to follow the path in the journey of obedience. 
even sometimes when it doesn't make sense. But here's what's interesting about their obedience. Their obedience saved the child. If they would have gone back and told Herod, hey, he's down here, 5th and Main, Bethlehem. <laughs> the terrible joke, at least one guy got it. Well, then Herod most certainly would have gone and killed the child. And so it was their obedience that led to the saving of the child. Yeah? Who knows what's at play all of the time? We don't know what's at play all the time. All around us, all of these things going on in our lives. But what we can be sure of is that our obedience means something in the grander scheme of things. And so when we hear God, it's important that we say yes. It's important that we do the little things that we're called to do because you have no idea how saying yes here is going to affect other people's lives here. Yeah? 1988, Dad said yes to coming to Franklin to start a church. That decision then affected, well, here we are. Yeah? So his decision affected some decisions that you had made that brought you here. And obviously, my decisions affected things that have happened in some of your guys' lives. And if we hadn't said yes back then, then those things wouldn't have happened here. Yeah? And so our lives matter. Our journeys matter. And saying yes in these moments, we have no idea how it's going to affect us. But at some point, at the end of the journey, when it's time for people to talk about our lives, those decisions will matter. Good? You guys done? Good. Me too. So two questions. What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? And so let's just take a few moments simply to reflect on that. And then we'll share communion together. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you speak to our hearts in these next few moments. All right, amen. If you have one of these, grab it, take it out. Every week we take part in this reminder 
that everything is spiritual, that everything is holy. We eat these simple elements of bread and wine, and yet it's more than that. And every week we pray this prayer as a way to center our hearts and our minds. And so pray this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Glory to the Father and to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And that we're reminded that as the body of Christ, every day we are called to do the same, to take part, to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. And so take the bread, look to the person next to you, say, the body of Christ broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. All right. Amen. Let's all stand. Grab hands with the person next to you if you like. Is today New Year's Eve? Oh, dang it. I just realized that. Oh, all right. Let's pray. <laughs> pray and go home. So, Father, we just thank you for this, this story of these these magi and their faith, how they made the journey to to see you. May we be the types of people who every day are making the journey to see you. May we understand that it's a journey of sacrifice, faith, worship, and obedience. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just give us the endurance and the courage to take those steps every day. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just be with us this week as we go. We ask that you guide us and keep us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. See you guys. There you go. Get some Ethiopia stuff.